Thanks, as always, for listening. In this episode, Chris and I are going to discuss his decision to run Vampire 5th Edition with his friends. And in so doing, we're going to talk about some of the changes that have taken place to the Vampire storyline and its system over the last 30-plus years, which makes me feel really old. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. All right, there we go. So I pressed record. I'm Jeremy. I'm Chris. Still are. And so we're going to try to get in the habit of reintroducing ourselves or introducing ourselves at the beginning of each of these so that if you're new to us, you'll have some clue about who we are. Um, because out of most of our previous 50 episodes, we have not done that. 50th uh, episode, goal number one ticked. All right. Yeah, let's see if, you know, and if we do it again in our next episode, we'll be at a 100% compliance rate. Yeah. Look at that. Or, or we'll, be, we'll be 100% achieving our goals. Yeah. It'll be wonderful. Um, but as we do, as we always start out, uh, what kind of gaming, if any, have you done since last we recorded? Um, so last week we made characters for Vampire, which is what we're going to talk about in a bit, um, which actually took a really long time. Not because the character creation is long. It's one of those things where you've got one copy of the book. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, at least there's only two players. And so it's a case of like reading things and them doing, but yeah, there was, oh, there was a lot of analysis paralysis between them trying to decide what they wanted their characters to be like, which took a really long time. Um, and then we played like literally like a hunt for each of them, which actually was really good because that kind of has set up my future episodes. So that went pretty well. How about you? Well, I ran the free RPG Day Homeworld scenario this last Ooh. Saturday at um, my one of the local game stores that I, at which I shop, and um, and then half my group was uh, was sick, so we didn't end up having our regular game uh, Saturday night. But uh, but I, like I said, I ran the 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 uh, Homeworld um, free RPG Day scenario. I feel like that could be a future episode now that you've run it. That would yeah. give me an incentive to, you know, actually read the thing that I've had for a year. Yeah, I have a couple of copies of it now with the the um the pre-generated characters and um but yeah, I ran that and then uh and then we didn't have our regular game. So I just actually I ended up just getting together with one of my players and we were going to putter around with some gaming stuff, but we just ended up talking about life for like 3 hours and it was actually really <laughs> pleasant. I've had ones like that. One of the ones where we don't have a plan. So it's like, what are we going to play? And it, or it's usually, yeah, we just talk. Yep. And it gets to like sort of 11 o'clock and you're like, oh, we haven't played it. Oh, let's just play something for a half hour. Yeah, we even talked about that. And then we're like, oh, I got I to gotta go to bed. So yeah, but it, <laughs> it, it worked out well. It worked out well. So then this weekend, we're supposed to play another session of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. That, that same guy, Joe, is going to run. Cool. That's what we got. But today, as you said, we're going to talk about your decision to run Vampire, um, the newest version of it. And I thought that it might be useful because, I mean, Vampire was huge 25 years ago, 26 <laughs> years ago, back in the back in the before times. I haven't been able to say that in a while. Well, so, so I mean, yes, Vampire came out in. The funny thing is, is they will get to it, but they released a Vampire 20th anniversary, but Vampire came out in 91. So Vampire's over 30 years old now. Yeah. Um, you know, it was big in the 90s. Yep. Yep. Baggy. And now it's actually becoming big, but outside of the role-playing world. Baggy acid-washed jeans, Doc Martin boots, and really oversized flannel shirts. That was the but 90s. Once the Matrix came out, it was right. uh, yeah, trench coats and mirror shades. <laughs> Right. And katanas, because uh, that's... Well, yeah, sure. Uh, or, is that, or is that just elves in Shadowrun? Both. <laughs> but yeah, we we're going to talk about Vampire, and I thought, so you've decided to run the new Vampire, which is called Vampire the what? It's, right, so I'll, do you want me to do the history lesson now? Though? Well, let's, let, let's, you and I, we're, I think it'd, it'd be useful for our okay. listeners, as we just said a moment ago, you know, Vampire, yeah, that's crazy. It came out 30 years ago. Over, and I mean, I started playing it, you know, in like, I, I think it was 93. 
And so I think it'd be useful for folks to, you know, if, if you don't remember or you weren't there, like where did this thing come from and what iterations has it gone through? So I think we let's talk through that quickly and then land on which version you chose to yep. run and why and what are some of the differences between them as they so, I think by the story and setting when and I, all that. When I heard of Vampire, it was already on its second edition. The reason for that is Vampire, Vampire the Masquerade, the original, the original the World of Darkness, White Wolf, before this, I don't know what White Wolf were doing, but this was the thing that made them big. Right. And the set off the whole World of Darkness thing, which again has, you know, been really big. And that that was 91. But actually, but Vampire the Masquerade second edition came out a year later, 92. So by the time I had was aware, I wasn't aware of Vampire until I went to university and the guy that ran the role-playing club there, he was really into the world of darkness. And that's who introduced me to like Vampire and, and, and Mage. Um, and yeah, so by the time I heard of Vampire, it was already, it was already on its second edition. So the, like the first edition lasted one, one year, was first edition. Wow. And to be fair, they got quite a few books out in that year. Yeah, it seemed like uh, it was almost like um, <laughs> it was like Def Leppard's Pyromania. Like everyone went nuts in 1983 and bought that, and then realized, wait, that's their third album. You know, it's not that they're they're not they're new to being huge, but they're not new. They've been around for a few years. So yeah, same same. I I came across I heard of it in '93. Um, Actually, it was it was funny. I had I was at, I was in college as well at that time, and I had I had actually kind of dropped out of gaming for a couple of years, and um, and I was sitting in my apartment uh, watching, like clicking through the channels with nothing to do one night. Gee, that never happens. And uh, came across some <clears throat> public access show with some people like local gamers doing like game stuff. Wow. I mean, this was yeah, it's crazy. And they had a, uh, it was associated with like the one great game store that was in my town <clears throat> all through those years. And uh, they had a stupid trivia question, which was, what is the name of the original Star Wars movie? Episode four, A New Hope. Give me a break. So I called in and I won a $10 gift certificate. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I went by the store. I hadn't been there in a couple of years. And I just asked the, 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 the lady who ran the place, I said, you know, what's new? What's different? And so she was pointing to different games. And the whole idea of a game where you played a vampire, I was like, how bizarre. And they, at the same time, they had a back, like an, another office suite in this complex where you could, you could pay to like, play and run games. And so she said, oh, yeah, there some guys are running that right now back there. So I went and like, honestly, I sat back there for like 15 minutes. Turned around, came up, used my gift certificate to buy the the rule book, which I, I actually still have the hardback of second edition. Um, it was just so radically different than anything I had seen before, like system wise. But yeah, it was the same thing. And I didn't know that there was a first edition that had been floating around in perfect bound paperback before that. Yeah, I mean, I like the, the first one I played was was Mage. I got introduced to Mage and Mage was the thing I played for, I don't know, not long. It was probably only a couple of weeks. And then the same guy who ran me a Mage then also ran a vampire thing. And at that point, so I didn't play it a lot. And then I was running other stuff. I think I was running WEG Star Wars at that point. Because I think the whole time I was at uni, I was like, I'd, I'd played nothing, but I pretty much, I'd, the main thing I'd played up to uni was, was Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. I had other things, but that was like my main game. Um, so at uni, I was like, I'm going to try other stuff out. And mainly because there was, you know, was different people playing everything. But yeah, I played a bit of Mage, played a bit of And then I bought like everything. So I, well, not everything. I mean, I'm looking now, the amount of books they release. I mean, if this is, you know, you look at something like now, Wizard of the Coast released like what, sort of like four or five books a year. But if that, you know, this is like third edition time thing where, you know, there was books coming out all the time. Like a fire hose, hardbacks and softbacks. Yeah. So, and you know, this is just vampire, but there were, you know, we had vampire and then we had werewolf and we had mage. I remember changeling coming out and wraith. Um, and then I, you know, I finished uni and I didn't, just had no one to play with and just kind of all fizzled away. Um, so yeah, second edition ran from 92 to about 98 and then 98, we got a revised edition. I was not aware until recently when someone sent me this link, right. this is Wikipedia link with all of the editions on it. I wasn't even aware that there was, where there was a revised edition. Now at some point during this revised edition, um, what happened is, is that white wolf decided to finish off all of their things. 
So they had, you know, they had the, the whole idea of vampire is they had this thing called, is it Gehenna, which yep. is an apocalyptic event for vampires and werewolves called Werewolf the Apocalypse. So they, they had the apocalypse and they had, and all of their games kind of ran through a story and ended and they started, which at the time was called New World of Darkness. This is sort of like 2005-ish. Uh, but all of the games had different subtitles. So instead of Vampire the Masquerade, we had Vampire Requiem. Right. And we had Werewolf Forsaken, the Forsaken and Mage. Can't remember what Mage was called. And so they changed it. Um, and for a long time, everyone referred to it as Old World of Darkness and, and New, new World, yeah, World of Darkness. New World, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point, which actually, then it gets a bit weird. So... So revised edition was what was class third edition. Requiem by official Vampire the Masquerade thing is not counted as an edition of Vampire the Masquerade at all. Because it's a it, now, the setting is completely different. Essentially, that's it. The setting is completely different. And the rules, the rules took quite a jump. Um, they kind of like to try to simplify it down. And I remember one of the things that really put me off was that you had to buy the sort of World of Darkness core book. And then you had to buy the separate books for right. each of the, you know, vampire and werewolf. Yeah, mage. because it, I remember in the, the second edition, it was the same core mechanic, but that was explained in full in each of the different rule books. So if you bought Mage yeah. and you bought Vampire of the Masquerade, you, you had redundant explanation of the core mechanic, but it was... Um, it was different enough as to that is what was available for it that, you know, you, you couldn't play... You, you couldn't play one unless you had the book for it. You know, I, I remember the, the thing about like the core mechanic that it was even, I mean, they kept just modifying it when they moved to the Requiem, they just modified it some, but I mean, it was, it was a pool of D10s. If you haven't played it before, it's a pool of D10s. You add a, a stat and you add a skill typically. So you add two and the, those are typically for most characters between one and five each, although they can go above that if you if you become really, really powerful. So you add those two numbers together, your stat and your, uh, uh, your, your skill, and that's how many D10s you roll. And then you're given a difficulty. In the original, in second edition, you were given a difficulty between one and 10, and you had to meet or, um, you had to meet or beat that number in order to gain a success. So if you rolled like five dice and your difficulty was a seven, any sevens or above yeah. were successes. And I know that was one of the things that they tinkered with when they moved to the Requiem instead of having your, uh, because of the funky thing I always found with, uh, with Masquerade, which I didn't have a problem with, was that, you know, your, your dice pool could, could grow or shrink depending on different variables, but the difficulty it's, it's itself also changed. So you had it kind of like 2d20 in a way. Yeah. You you could adjust how many dice you were rolling, but you could also adjust the the difficulty you were going up against would would be adjusted too. And I know Requiem they changed it just to a flat seven, and I didn't like that. But that's beside the point. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's one of the things that I kind of bounced off when I first saw the Requiem thing. I was like, oh well, I like the idea that if something was easy, you would get lots of success, and if it was hard, you wouldn't. And you know that was cool. And then like I said, you know, when they did New World of Darkness, they just changed it to well, everything's this fixed number. Right. And you're like, oh, well, that's, that's a bit weird. Um, so around somewhere, because it came in a kickstart, somewhere around chapter 2010, because it was coming up on the 20th anniversary, um, they decided to, I think pretty sure it was like a Kickstarter. They did a Kickstarter for it the was, Vampire yeah. the Masquerade 20th anniversary edition. Now, I remember seeing about this and go, well, you know, I'm not, not really bothered. I've, you know, if I've got the old books, if I want to play it, and I never really, you know, I'd bought all these books and then never really played it. Um, and up until recently, I assumed that that's all that had happened is they'd done a 20th anniversary edition. And I thought it was one book. And then that was it. Cause the whole point of this one book, it had like all of the different clans from like all of the other stuff in one book and a whole bunch of different rules. And, and not, you know, it not only time. had, it not only had the, all the core clans that were in the second edition rule book, it had all the other ones, every single one that they had put out a clan book for, including like some of the more minor bloodlines yeah. They put all of that in there and they included all of the um, advantages and, and uh, what were the advantages and disadvantages? Is that what they're called? Yeah, uh, they're merits, flaws, merits and, and flaws. That's right. They, all the, all the, the stuff that was in the player's handbook, they included all of that. Yeah. And a lot of the junk that was in the storyteller's handbook, they put all those in. So the, the book was, I mean, it was a murder weapon. It was huge. Yeah. Um, 
but what's funny is so i you know i i didn't get i didn't do it and actually then after that they did 20th anniversaries for everything else so we got a we got a werewolf 20 and a mage 20 and i'm assuming we've got a rage and changeling 20 but i, I don't know or they haven't got to them yet i have no idea but i i kind of assumed that happened and then that was it but actually they they carried on producing this and this is where then we start getting the confusing thing of white wolf kind of then was bought out by another company and then they started publishing things as something called onyx path publishing right and if you start looking into the who owns these things it gets very complicated it's murky yeah because you've got like a company that bought white wolf and they own a lot of the ip but they license some of it out to onyx path publishing and then at some point and so it gets again and it'll get, it'll get weird in a minute Anyway, so 20th anniversary was really like a, a throwback because, you know, there was a lot of people that didn't like New World of Darkness and people have fond memories of Old World of Darkness. And I think what I originally, I, I don't know this, but this is off the top of my head, I'm guessing they, they did a Kickstarter for a 20th anniversary intended it to be a one-off. I'm assuming it did very well, well enough that they went, there's still a demand for this stuff. Let's, yeah. let's release a bunch more books. Um, so around the new one, so fifth edition, uh, and again, doesn't say, this isn't D&D where they refer to it as, you know, 5e or it says the fifth edition of the world. They, you know, they, we don't have that kind of thing. This is literally, I couldn't work out what the editions were until someone pointed me at a thing on Wikipedia. It's like, look, this is what right. we consider it's a little weird. Um, so it's not referred to as fifth edition as such, but it is. So again, this is the, the new, a new company had bought either White Wolf or the IP or the owner, you know, have what had happened later. We want a new edition of of vampire the masquerade so they released a new one which again it's it's not the same as new world of darkness like the mm -hmm. you know, requiem thing and it's not the same as second edition or or v20 it's it is very much its own thing um but that that was developed by white wolf publishing it was actually distributed by drumroll it was distributed by modifius yep um so there's that little link uh, but that didn't last very long. So after a couple of books, um, they put some stuff in one of the books that the owners, oh, it says a series owner, Paradox Interactive. I think they're basically a computer game. And at some point they were owned by someone else. It's essentially a computer game company. Um, they, they were super unhappy with some stuff that got, in, got into one of these books. So yanked, uh, yanked all the stuff back from White Wolf, said, we're, you're not doing it anymore. Uh, gave it to... Uh, for a while, Onyx Path Publishing was doing something. Uh, they would they they gave it off to them to release a bunch of stuff. Then they also took the distribution rights away from Adiphius. That I don't I don't know if that's related. I don't think so. Uh, and gave it to a company called Renegade Game Studios, who are now doing they basically doing everything. So they're both doing the they're they're both the publisher and they are the developer. Um, and uh, you know they've they've done bits and they're actually getting quite big because they're doing some you know they're doing I think they're the people who are doing the the GI Joe and the Transformers and the. Oh, okay. Uh, but I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, I, but I, I think, certainly, I, I know I they do some board game stuff and well, so this is the company that ha hasn't been around very long and suddenly has got relatively big. You know, I, and I just looked on modifius.us and they, yeah, the vampire stuff, it's, it's yeah. not there anymore. And I've well, seen it at the, at my, my local stores, but um, going back, going before we dig into this, I won't say I'll say you could say the newest or latest edition, but that would almost imply that it's still alive, and it seems like it's not. Um, maybe or who knows? But um, let's talk about some of the the differences. Uh, there there are some there are some I think what I found to be important. We mentioned one already: uh, system changes, but. I think it was the setting changes that to me were the most significant and actually jarring um, along some of these. I mean, you mentioned the whole, the, the meta plot of um, not the world of darkness. The funny thing I always found about world of darkness was that, you know, the, the three big tent poles were vampire, werewolf, and, and mage. And I always found it interesting, like you would think because it's the same system and you would think because it's the same world that they would be interoperable, like you'd be easily, and they're not, they're actually not. Like a mage, if you're reading Vampire and you want to have a mage or a werewolf, the way that you're supposed to present them per the rules, I remember in second edition, they, 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 they account for mage and werewolf powers differently than you would if you had a mage PC made from yes. that book. And so I never found a successful integration of two or more of those, um, 
those properties, even though they supposedly existed within the same world. But the weirdness that I found was that you know the the stuff that was put out well not weirdness but the stuff that was put out for vampire the masquerade the meta plot of gehenna you know like this vampire apocalypse thing that's going to come and who knows what it's going to do and who knows going to lead it and is kane going to come back is he even real so on and so forth like those kinds of things those did not exist in mage or werewolf yeah. as, as as so it was on the one hand from like a broad brushstrokes level you had the world of darkness capital w capital d which was this kind of vibe of you know the dark urban gritty everything you look at is actually foul on the inside uh very angsty but any deeper than that and those three worlds those th they were they were different from one another they were not they weren't they didn't coexist story-wise and i never i mean i own a copy of um werewolf of the forsaken and i i kind of find it to be a little bit ridiculous uh i can't i i was thinking oh it'd be kind of interesting I, I picked it up on like ebay a couple of years ago and and i just just couldn't get into it and i i have a cop an older copy of mage and i just it never clicked with me it was always like the vampire stuff always made sense to me um but system wise they were the original ones the second editions of those the system was the same yeah, it is, a, it is a weird one because it's kind of like this idea. I mean, what was good, essentially, if I'd played Mage and then when I wanted to play Vampire, the rules were so similar, it was yep. easy to jump from one to the other, but you couldn't really put them together. And it, even in World, like, there wasn't law reasons for them to be together. Essentially, like, all vampires are, you know, they're, they're basically, all vampires are basically bad. There's no, there's, you know, you might have a vampire that isn't as bad or, and might actually be an okay kind of guy, but at the end of the day, all vampires have to survive by drinking human blood. So all vampires are a bit, you know, they're not, they're not the nicest people. Right. Whereas werewolves, essentially, like their main thing seemed to be sort of fighting against the, essentially they were all eco-terrorists. They were all fighting against sort of like the destruction of, of Mother Nature. That's kind of like their thing. The difference was is whether, you know, some were very violent about it and killed humans to do it and some, some didn't. Because the whole point, the, the vampire, the masquerade, the word the masquerade, it's like the number one rule for the main chunk of the vampires is to to stay in the shadows to be hidden right um whereas the werewolves don't necessarily have that thing the mages again though do because they're kind of one of the main things in mages like trying to stay away from the technocracy or i think we're kind of like the behind the scenes trying to keep magic suppressed and control it or something which kind of the bad guy like essentially if you did anything they'd be after you and actually if you make mistakes when you're casting magic you get these horrible paradoxes where things go horribly long so actually playing mage was was different so mage and vampire had that kind of you're both in the shadows where werewolf was in theory you'd be in the shadows but you'd kind of they didn't have a rule that said it not to my knowledge anyway like i'm not i'm a bit fuzzy on that stuff but like you said those were the those are the main three. They just kept that release in other books, same as other systems. They realized when you release a core rule book, you make more money. So funnily enough, right? You make you release, you release more. more they release yeah. more things. Which, but none of them. I think the only one they did was, which was as successful, was Hunter. Which originally, I remember buying Hunter for one of those, which was like an add-on to Vampire or something, or an add-on to Where. There was a Vampire book called Hunters Hunted, yeah. which had rules in it and ideas about making hunters, and then they came out with hunter the reckoning yeah like, had like a like flames on the cover and then not that long thereafter they came out with hunter the vigil which was their remake of and and i had both of those and uh i don't know they were a little too grim for me there was a point and hunter the reckoning just story-wise like what would pass for classes like would what would be clans in in the masquerade what passed for those in the reckoning didn't they just never really say, seemed to make sense to me. And, and the vigil just felt like so dreary and so grim. And uh, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't do dreary and grim over really long periods of time. Generally, all of the New World of Darkness stuff didn't do... I think they were trying to do something different. But kind of what they did is they threw out things people liked. So in Mage like they threw out a lot of the stuff which worked people liked in vampire they literally threw out like half the clans but probably more yeah. than half the clans there's kind of like seven core clans that have been core all the way through all the masquerade stuff and requiem just threw a bunch of them yeah. out and says yeah we're gonna have new clans and people are like huh where's, where's my clans gone you know one of the things that i i i think is really good about the masquerade 
and you talk about the clans and each of the clans has the, you know, the, the vampire powers, if you're not familiar with this, are called disciplines. You know, like being able to turn into a bat or grow claws or take over someone's mind or whatever. Be tough, things like that. Those are all disciplines. And each clan has a different package of three disciplines that are their like primary disciplines. That doesn't mean you can't learn others. It just means that that's what they are most commonly found in, in, in using. And I always thought that the clans... All of them were rooted in vampire lore. Like, yeah, you you look across like Western literature and Western history, and you find these different like nuanced differences of like this different kinds of vampires. And every single one of those clans, to me, fit within that like tapestry of lore. And I thought that they did a really a clean job of of like providing enough of a niche without making that niche so narrow that there wasn't flexibility and then how those disciplines worked mechanically i mean all of the clans had some combination of physical um disciplines and uh and then like you know, inner, inner interpersonal inner like you know you'd have yeah. like the bruja were strong and they were fast but they also had charisma you know, and for like the rep for, for ones that are typed as being like the revolutionaries, well, that makes sense. Like you have to be able to punch yeah. people and things like that and take punches, but you also need to be able to incite a crowd and get people to follow you. I was like, okay, I can live with that. Uh, and I, I, I thought that the way that, that, like I said, mechanically how it was handled, that combination of you have a stat and you have skill and therefore you have a pool and then of, of die tens. And then there are other ways that you can add to that pool or circumstantially you'd have to maybe remove from that pool. And then you, you roll and you try to hit the difficulty de as, as determined by the, the GM or storyteller, sorry, storyteller. Uh, I, I always thought that that worked really well. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, essentially that's what, that, that same system runs throughout all of first and second and revised and v20 now requiem did a bunch of different stuff i'm like i'm not really going to talk about it because as far as i'm concerned requiem isn't part of vampire the masquerade and it was never something i was going to look at they made such massive change to the rules and the the world that i was never considering that my choice was primarily between v20 because it had kind of everything in it um and fifth edition mm -hmm. because that's new so let's go so, so in terms of something in terms of story-wise, fifth edition carries on from where revised finished. So Gehenna and Apocalypse and all this other stuff happened. Fifth edition then picks up after that and says, right, well, this is what happened after that. Okay. Um, so it carries on. So all of the clans, like in the, the core book of fifth edition, still has the same seven clans. Um, what's slightly different law-wise now is like, you know, they, Gehenna happens, so they have to have things. You know, there's stuff about, oh, the really old vampires have all been called off to go and fight this and a bunch of these people are fighting in a holy war so but essentially you can run fifth you know the same idea of you have a city and in the city there's a prince who's the chief of all the vampires and then there's you know how, how the the vampire courts work all of that's the same and the clans are the same the slight difference law wise is that some of the core, what would we consider those core seven clans um they've now decided are anarch clans and there's actually rules for like anarchs in the books originally we kind of had this thing of the like the main vampires who were who were kind of had this control i think called the camarilla which wasn't a, like a they call it a sect but it's really like as it's the, the camarilla the people who follow the masquerade and they follow yeah, it was, the rules it was the clans that, to do that it was it was almost it was like a vampire confederation you had the different yeah. clans confederated together in this thing called the camarilla to enforce the masquerade and all yeah. the rules that 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 trail from this idea of we need to stay underground. And then you have like the anarchs who are, they're the people who don't, they realize they need to have some rules, but it's like a movement. It's but essentially a lot of it's newer vampires are like, well, you know, F the system and they're the rebels. And so one of the things that has happened, the new one is both the gangrel who are like the animal clan and the bruja, like you said, the rebels have split off from the Camarilla. And you can, if you want to be one of them and then the Camarilla, you can be, but they're, they're generally pitched as their Anarch clans because those are really clans that don't really fit under the Camarilla, which makes sense because they didn't really. Um, but the Anarch is more like it's a movement. Essentially, you follow all the same things. Now, back in the old days, there was this other group called the Sabbat who are basically 
wealthy, just nut jobs who just wanted to burn everything down. Right. Um, they don't really mention them in the core book other than like they're there. And I think they're actually off doing some, they've kind of put it in the book as like they're off doing some holy war thing. Cause I know back in sort of second edition and other ones, you had people like, Oh, I want to be Sabat because that's like beyond anarchy. That's like really super edgy. I'll listen to lots um, of punk rock. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's like, look, if you want to be in, if you want to be a rebel, you can play an anarch, but if you want, you know, the Sabat are like, you know, it's like playing chaotic evil in D and D. Totally. That's that's you know, it's it's not playing a rogue or someone who's a, like a bit rebellious. It's you're playing the bad guys, um, and so they're kind of you know they're still there and they've had a book in at least I think they have they had a book. I think so. Yes, they have. Uh, they've had a book in fifth edition. Rules wise, um, the rules have changed quite a bit. The basics are still the same. You still roll a pool of d twenty at d twenties. You still <laughs> that's, that's wrong system. Uh, you still roll a pool of d ten, and you've still got the same bunch of skills more or less and if there's any change i didn't know so and you've still got the same same names of disciplines one exception uh you've still got the same you know group of your, your three three by three on your on your attributes which i always liked i always liked the fact you kind of it always worked as the way that your attributes work is there's you have physical and social and mental mm -hmm. attributes and you always kind of have a like a how powerful you are how much finesse you have and how tough you have. So for example, for the physical, you have strength as your, as your, like your force, you have dexterity or it might be agility. It's probably agility. It's like your finesse type one. And then you have, you have stamina and they all work like that. So even the social ones, you have like charisma and manipulation and, and resolve. Uh, and for the intelligent, the mental ones, you have like, you know, willpower and whatever the other, the other ones are so i always thought that was a very clever way of doing it yes it gives you nine attributes but you could very clearly see just looking at those dots on a sheet of paper are you more physical or more mental or you know are you tough or you know that, i always liked that and so that's still the same and so they do they still have uh what is it skills talents and knowledges is that what they want to call them uh they don't bother putting any names at the top because it used to be just just for those listening the, you you had i think it was you had was it talents? You had three different columns and, it, and essentially it was things that were more like innate thing that you would develop like hand-to-hand -hand combat or something. And then they had more, things that were more like technical skills, like driving or shooting. And then things like knowledge skills, like computers or whatever. And so you would pick one of your attributes and one of those things and those two go together to form a pool. I always thought that was a, that was such a, uh, that was such a clean way of providing a ton of flexibility because you know you could say okay you're uh let's go ahead and take your perception and add that to your i don't know like your hand-to-hand -hand combat you're trying you're looking at someone and seeing like how they're standing and you're trying to to, to discern like what fighting style do they use like what kind of martial art do they use how good are they well, okay, that could be perception or that could be reason. Um, using, you know, dexterity and that martial arts skill, then that becomes your, you know, you're kicking someone. I, I thought that, that, you know, for me, that was like one of the, that, that was, was kind of the dawn of that, that idea of you have these various pieces and parts that make up your character that are not, um, like permanently linked to one another. They become interoperable. They become really flexible depending on the situation. Yeah. I always thought that was it's, a great solution for mechanics. It's the same now. I mean, essentially they have, they, they are three separate lists of skills because one starts with athletics, one starts with animal, it says animal Ken, but I think that's because they can't fit anymore in. And one starts with academics. So, it, so if you look at it, it's kind of like, well, those are the more physical skills. Those are the more social skills. Those are the more mental skills, okay. but there's nothing stopping you doing them at cross purposes. Right. Um, generally that's just how they're organized. So they're still, they're still in three lists, but they don't have, they just refer to as skills for the whole lot. Okay. Um, you still have willpower and health and humanity, which we've always had for those who not. So, so health is obvious health damage. Willpower is basically something you could spend to get extra to reroll dice. But also if you were losing control of your character because vampires are like prone to doing something called frenzy when they like get bloodlust and you can you can spend willpower to stop that that's still the same and humanity is essentially a measure of how human you still are so as you do bad stuff your humanity eventually will disappear and if you kind of go to sort of humanity zero um then your characters just becomes an npc because they're just a mindless like killing machine um 
was quite funny because it's funny when you read the book and the book sort of like, you know, your average human is at Humanity 7 and like Brian somehow started at Humanity 9. So it was kind of like, his character's Which, like this virtuous, like, person. Like, it's quite funny. Though. You know what, though? I always, I, I thought that was a, it was a good, and I, and I, I think I probably did this too, but it's probably an underused mechanic um, because it, it put a number with a descriptor to, okay, not necessarily how good or bad you are, but like how connected are you to humanity? And, and if you're using humanity as food, um, over time, you're going to lose a connection with them and you're not going to see them in the way that you used to when you were one of them. And so I, I really, I thought in second edition and V20, I, I thought that the whole system of um, like challenges to your humanity, like if you do this and your humanity is that, that's going to be a problem. Whereas... Yeah. You know, if your humanity is already pretty low, doing nasty things isn't going to be as difficult for you. If your humanity is higher, it's going to be more difficult. However, relating to people and and passing, like being uh, being accepted as human is going to be a lot harder for you if your humanity is lower. And so I thought that, again, the elegance of the system was so, it was so obvious. Um, and it did such a good job of putting numbers and mechanics to stuff that's more subjective. And I think in like games like D and D you avoid, like, are you afraid? Are you, uh, you know, I don't, I don't it's hard well, to measure yeah, those things in a lot of other systems. Going to go on to well, one of the things. So you had merits and flaws in this, which other systems have, you know, advances and disadvantages, that kind yeah. of thing. And the merits for flaws are very simple. You know, your character really ugly or they're really good looking. I think but they also had a thing called backgrounds, which gave you things like allies and resources and, I always really like that. Like, you know, you, in D&D, you didn't have that. Your character was started at level one and you worked your way up. And this was something, you know, your character can start with a load of money because that wasn't important to the vampire story. It was, it was useful, but it wasn't like the key thing. But you could start off with like, you've got a group of people that let you feed off them already, or you have a, a really kick-ass vampire friend that will come to your aid. And those were all things that you could just, would just you could start with at level one. And I always really like that. And that's still exactly the same. Okay. Where there's the big difference is how the dice roll go, goes, which I'll, I'll come back to in a minute, and discipline. Now, disciplines are still basically the stem. They're still rated one to five. And it's like you, you really do level one, like level one. As a starting vampire, you're starting with maybe one or two in a few things. And you're you know not all the way up there. My memory of like second edition of V20 was that if you had level one in something, it meant this. And level two meant this. And level yes. three meant And everyone had the same thing. Um, and partly some of the things like, you know, particularly one of the ones I'm reading it again, I was like, oh, I can see this being an issue was celerity. Now celerity is like your speed discipline. And the problem with celerity is that if you have every dot you had in celerity, and this goes up to five, is an extra action. At, at now, a full dice pool. Yeah. And, and normally just think- for those of you who aren't familiar with this, like, let's say you had a dice pool of six to punch someone. If you wanted to go twice, you would just split your dice pool in half. So you'd have two dice pools of three, whereas celerity, if you had a celerity of three, you could go four times at full yeah. dice pool, which makes you a kill bot. And, and that, so that was kind of thing. So you had this one ability that just celerity was so, um, you know, like you, if you were going to have, if you were going to have you in any combat, your vampires all have to have celerity. Right. Because otherwise they're just going to get creamed by other vampires, which on, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, fair enough. On the other hand, it was just, it was, it was kind of one of those things that you have to have celerity. And any system where you have to have a particular ability or stat is always a bit of a... So that's right. one of the things that kind of put me off going into it. What they have now in 5th edition is as well as having the dots, you have breakdowns of powers. So, for example, let's take something simple like um, all specs, which is like you vision, like sight. It's your sense and stuff. Yeah. Um, at level 1 all specs, you have a dot in all specs, and then there are two level 1 powers. And you can pick one of them. So one of them is like heightened senses, and then there's another ability that lets you do something else. And then at level two, again, there's not always a choice. So I think at level two, there's only one, which is, um, I, let's say it's you can see through someone else's eyes, or you get premonitions, and at level th- three, it's another thing. So the powers are a bit, they are a bit more complicated mm-hmm. than, than in V than in like V20, but also it, it lets two people with the same, so for example, both Scott and Brian could have taken dominate level two and had different things. I see. Which is, that's quite nice. Um, and then none of the things are, comp- you know, it's one of the things they've written it out in detail, but actually it's like, okay, you know, it, it, if you'd have dominate level two, all right, level one, I'm going to have compel, which does what it sounds like. Uh, and at level two, I'm going to have, you know, another dominate type ability. 
Um, so it gives you, it gives a bit more variety as you go up and then certain other clans start breaking that off more. So when you looked in one of the other books, there was a, a new ability called Oblivion. And I can't, one of the clans introduced this as a new thing. Uh, and they have a bunch of powers. And then Scott picked La Sombra, who have a different, still have Oblivion, but they have slightly different powers, which means you can have like different clans can use the same idea of how it works in slightly different ways, which again is a, is a you know, it's a cool way to do it. So on the one hand, it makes it more complicated, but also they've massively toned it down. So if you look at Celerity, like Celerity level one, let you kind of you know maybe you get a bonus on initiative kind of thing or something um you, you are not uh, you know you're not pinging around doing six attacks at right. celerity five which is what you were doing in you know second edition it's you i think you know you kind of you go like you get to move really fast so like one of those like a teleport power and stuff like that um so they've they essentially they have they've they're not so much simplified i'm i looked at my thing was like well this actually looks more complicated but then they've kind of tried to take some of the power gaming aspects out of it and, and like, you know, things being really over the top. Um, and then I think they've explained it. I mean, I still remember looking at not so much vampire, but looking at mage where like three dots in the attacking powers, basically where you get to throw fireballs and you do, you roll this many dice and then that's your damage. And it was kind of like, everything was super simple. So sometimes you kind of like, well, so with this power at this level, what exactly can I, some of them weren't always super clear. Mm -hmm. um, so this just tried to be very, you know, give them much more clear, right? If you have, you choose this power, you do this. And that's, then that's it. Not kind of some of the stuff was a bit, um, was maybe a bit over the top. So on the one hand, it's more complicated. On the other hand, I think it's streamlined it a bit more into like, it, oh. it does this. I think that having, like having additional options can complicate things. However, mm if there aren't too many of them and the system by which they function is coherent and the same, then it really, it, it, it's, it's not that the learning curve is steeper. It's just a little longer. Yeah. And I mean, I found that like, I, I've, I've explained the whole momentum system in 2d20. I, I often explain it as being that it, it's not difficult. It just takes a little time to get your head around because there are just some yeah. more moving pieces. Well, that's the thing. It starts in level. I think one, one. I think you pretty much you get two dots in one and one dot in another one, and then they have this extra thing they've added on, which is your predator style, which is how you hunt. And based on what you pick, that that gave you some extra dots and some skills, and gave you an extra dot in a discipline. And and because of that, like Brian only has two dots in one, one dot in another, and one dot, and or maybe he has three dots in something and one. And Scott has like two twos, so they still only have four powers at level one so it's not you know it's not level one you know what i mean starting character so it's not like they have a lot to look at and How, uh, it was having to look in the book but you know once we started playing it'll be yeah how does um, every time you get a new dot you get another power how does blood work because in you know in in, in second edition in v20 and first edition as well you know you had based on your generation which was not so much your level, but established your established your maximum power in different things, yeah. your generation. Yeah. The lower generation, the more powerful you are. And the idea is if you again, if you haven't played vampire, the idea is how many generations are you from the original vampire, from supposedly yeah. Cain? So if you're like tenth generation, that means you're more powerful than someone who's eleventh generation. And how much blood you could hold, how many points was based on your generation. And after you took all your health in damage, which it was the same for everyone. Everyone had the same number of health points in, in V20. I think it was seven, something like that, five or seven. Once you took all your health points, then any damage went directly to your blood, however much you had. And blood, you would then lose because of damage, or you could use blood. Some powers had to be activated by spending it. You could make yourself stronger by spending it. So you had this flexible pool that would get eaten up by damage and eaten up by you using your own powers. Um, and when that got to zero, then bad things would start happening to you. Yeah. What, how does, how does that work in, um, in so that's, that's changed quite a bit, but it also leads into how the dice roll works now. So now what you have is a thing you don't have, you don't have a blood pool anymore. You have something called hunger. Um, and essentially if you don't, if you don't feed, you gain hunger. And also if other things go wrong in how you use blood. So if you don't feed, you gain hunger. And as well as that, when you want to use a lot of your powers or if for other reasons, there's something called a rouse check, which is also like when you, when you want to use your blood. So when you want to use the blood and gain an extra dice, 
um, you have to make a rouse check. And essentially, if you if you flunk it, your hunger goes up, you get more hungry. So every time you use power or try and use the blood, your hunger goes up. And that will okay. affect how your dice rolls, which we'll come back to in a minute. Um, so in terms of the blood thing, depending on your generation hours, you have this thing called blood potency, which is essentially the same as generation, but not quite. There's a table for it. It's one of those things that like, it matters when you pick it at character creation. And then as you level, you know, if you get better, it'll change. Mostly it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to change in all the time, like what it is. Um, and mostly it'll be, if you want to go an extra dice, you'll get, you know, one extra dice at blood potency one, and it's like two extra dice at blood potency okay. two. And all right. that, that kind of thing. So, so you don't spend points. You, if you choose to do that, you can do it but you run the risk of getting hungry. Now, the way it works now is that when you roll your dice, however much hunger you've got replaces your, your existing dice. So the way that I, because I'm a you know dice horse, so I bought some vampire dice, which have replaced the numbers because you don't have the numbers that there is now a fixed difficulty of six, which if you realize six on the D10 is actually only 50-50. So you're chucking a lot of successes out quite easily. Um, and essentially six and above is a success. And if you roll if you roll two tens, this one's a bit weird. If you roll two tens, so tens count as crit, then you get double. So if you roll one ten, it just counts as success. If you roll two tens across two dice, they count as four successes. So it's the two you got for the two tens and an extra two. I don't know why they've done that. It seems a bit weird, but that's the way we've done it. So rather than just being a ten is double it, you have to, if you get two tens, okay. they are both doubled. Um, when you have these hunger dice, if you if you succeed, but you rolled a crit on one of your red dice because essentially a red and black dice red is your hunger dice and you'd have black dice but you could obviously use just any d10s as long as your blood your hunger dice are a different color okay if you roll if you roll like a crit on your i think it's this is the right way anyway if you roll a crit on your hunger dice and then crit you get what's called a messy critical so you you get the good of you get the good thing of doing your crit but you probably go over the top so if you're feeding you might like kill the person if you're okay. attacking someone you might go and do too much uh, and likewise the other way on the on the normal dice there's no there's like nothing they're just blank sides so one to five just blank on the if you roll a one on a d10 on your hunger dice which on the red dice is a skull uh then something bad happens if you fail so it's like you failed oh, okay. and then and then it basically goes right. Well, you failed because like the beast made you fail, or the you know the beast has got control. Because the beast is what they refer to as like sort of your vampire demon thing inside you. Um, so essentially, the more hunger you've got, there's more chance of you. It, it doesn't change your probability of succeeding or failing. It's it kind of like a two d twenty thing of you know the roll and the complications. You can be like if you have loads of hunger, it doesn't mean you more more roll more or less dice. It just changes the outcomes. There's more chance of you like if you succeed you'll succeed in a different way or if you fail you're failing in a different way okay uh, and that's all it that's all it really changes it's you know it literally and again you don't need the special dice it's if you get crits on the your hunger dice or you get ones on your hunger dice then good or bad you know bad essentially bad things will happen so that's the way they've they've put it into it um and the main thing there is obviously if we've got a fixed difficulty what they're doing is they're going same as 2d20 is the amount of successes so an easy task is one success and you know an average task will be two okay. and so on so yes you only need to get sixes for success but now you might need to roll two successes to to pass a task or three and we're used to that obviously from 2d20 where you know two successes is you know does the does with. excess success does that uh can you do anything with that because i remember with the original version it was just any successes you were successful but then any additional successes you rolled you could like i know in the the per the storyteller's guide that went into damage or some yeah. of the disciplines the more successes you rolled like the more people you would cow or you know if you're trying to impress someone you might impress only one or you could impress everyone who sees you or whatever does that still work the same way yeah, it's a, it's a standard thing, kind of like, you know, this, like a lot of other systems have, you have margins of success. So if you have a difficulty two and you roll four successes, your margin of success is two and you get to, well, I mean, we take that with combat, you would do extra damage. So, I mean, one of the things that would have slowed like old V20 and second edition down is that you roll to attack and then you picked up your dice again and you rolled to do damage. Uh, and I think also defenders, didn't you roll to soak as well? Yeah, it was, that was three the, rolls. The so odd be, thing was now it'd be one roll. Yeah, second edition, uh, you would you would roll to attack, and then you would roll damage, which meant you could actually hit and do no damage. Like you could shoot someone and do no damage. The storyteller's guide, uh, which was a softback uh, 
that came in. It was a, a, a second edition softback with a really terrible piece of art on the front. Like just like a woman in like a pink turned up collar jacket with like a pentagram on it and little bad looking fangs. It's terrible. The combat rules in that were the ones that I used once I got that book, because what those did is every weapon, whether it was a fist, a claw or a rocket launcher or whatever, every weapon had a fixed damage. Right. And that's how much damage the weapon did, plus any successes beyond your first success. And then if the target had the ability to soak, they could then roll to soak. But there was no damage roll. It just and that combat system was far deadlier. So if you're a vampire second edition player and you don't have access to that or you can't you never heard of the storyteller's guide with the really bad art on the front of it, go find that because that that made combat that put some teeth into it. Um and it 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 absolutely removed like the the sometimes slap fight uh, <laughs> uh problem that that would occur with second edition. Yeah. So this yeah, I mean this like simplifies that a lot and I was kind of that was one of the things when I was trying to decide, should I use second edition or V20 or should I use, should I use fifth edition? And I kind of went on Reddit and I got like a load of really good responses, like, low, you know, both, both ways. People were like, well, this is what's good about this. And I was like, my players quite like combat. And I, a lot of people said, well, if you like combat, you should probably play V20. And I was kind of like, well, maybe we should play, you know, maybe if we play something that isn't meant to be so combat heavy, then they might play their characters more. I mean, as it is, the two of them have basically created characters like with very, very little combat leaning stuff, you know, they've really gone down making characters that have gone into their backgrounds and they're fleshed out. And, um, and that's where I call it. One thing I liked about fifth edition as well, was it went a lot more into kind of details of sort of how to do the hunting stuff. Whereas the other one was kind of like, ah, you hunt, you get more blood. And it was yeah. kind of like hand waved a bit. And this is trying to put more into it. Um, but one of the other kind of things was, I think like someone has said, cause I said like, there's this new game computer game that I was playing, which is, they like recently a lot of vampire the masquerade like video games have, have been appearing um and one kind of said well if you're familiar with playing this game then actually that's based on fifth edition so maybe you should play a fifth edition and that was kind of what made me leave it also meant i get to buy a new book so that's kind of that always makes you happy yeah so i got to buy a new book and open the new book and it was fine i don't i'm not keen on the art in it i mean compared to like you know the was it tim no tim, tim bradstreet Brad Timothy Bradstreet. Oh, yeah, I'll get mixed up because there's a character in a program and it's called Tim Bradshaw. So I was like, I'm going to say the wrong one. <laughs> you got his his art was awesome. Yeah. It, it, um, whereas in this, a lot of it's it's a lot of its photos, which initially like, some of them are quite good, but a lot some of them are just terrible. And I'm not a fan of like really like photography and, and role playing things because I just think it's like the and some of it's just a bit cheesy and terrible. But um, other than that, the books the books really good. But yeah, that's that's in the end. That's what I went with. I went with fifth edition, um, and I guess I'm going to see how it goes because I've literally all we've done is make characters and played kind of a session zero we create a relationship map with all of the other characters in the thing um we end up running in las vegas we had, we had a bit of thinking like which city are we going to use we decided to use la and then at some point halfway through character creation um i can't remember why but we switched to vegas <laughs> which seems like a terrible place for vampires because it's like actually, the Sin City aspect's good but then i was kind of like actually this feels quite contained because actually if you are a vampire you are going to struggle to drive like somewhere else at night yep. so actually i kind of feel like if you're a vampire in vegas you sort of like stay in vegas and the guys were like yeah but you can get a private airplane i was like okay not every vampire has a private airplane right so like so i thought actually no that's and also it's a it's a relatively small you know it's a city but it's a small city so i don't have to worry about like tons of suburbs because vegas is kind of like the strip and then old vegas and then some suburb and it's it's small and I've been there a few times, sadly. Um, so at least it's, at least I know Actually, what it looks I, that, like in my head. I think that's a cool place for it because, and it would make sense, you know, uh, vampires would want to be in places where there's a lot of flow of human traffic and churn of human, yeah. like, the, so that, yes. you know, people show up, they get stupid drunk, they don't realize what really happened to them, and they go home and they go, dude, I had such a good time. You can also, what's nice though, if you wanted to, to weave in some of those other world of darkness, like things like mages or whatever. Well, you have the Las Vegas strip <laughs> and all the, we you yeah. have Chris Angel and all those weirdos that, that, you know, you could plug that in. And the fact that Vegas, I mean, for those of you who have never flown into Las Vegas, 
it, it's it's like showing up at Moss Eisley, like that scene where Ben and uh, and Luke are looking at Moss Eisley from that that hilltop or that cliff where there's just nothing, and then there's this city, like. Yeah, there is it nothing. Is, yeah. And so if you had werewolves involved, like you would have the danger of don't go outside the city because that's where they are. I mean, that's that's how I would have run it in the masquerade yeah. days that you, you'd have the bright lights of that big city. This great opportunity. But if you drive five miles away, you're going to get you're going to be in deep trouble. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's so that's where I ended up. But yeah, I was really close between v20 and, and fifth and part of it was like i wanted a book and the v20 was going to get in the book on print on demand and it was like you know 60 quid which yeah. is like 80 dollars or something so whereas i managed to get the fifth edition book like way cheaper than that um and also it's new and the new stuff coming out and so i was kind of there was a bit of me thinking how how soon till sixth edition but for fifth edition this is the only thing that's out there's only vampire so like werewolf isn't out for this yet um and in fact, it might be Hunter is going to jump in and beat Werewolf. So, well, I think I you know. I just saw. I just saw recently something about a new Hunter the something or other uh, that's go. that's coming out or is out. I'm not. I'm not sure. You know what? What happened with me is I, like I said, I I got back. I had been out of gaming for a couple of years, and I got back into it through, okay, through Vampire and. Um, that's and for me, it's so tied to like my time in college and around that and, and the 90s. And there's something about it. Like, I just can't. I don't know. I, I can't I can't do it anymore. I tried to run it about a year and a half, two years ago, and I it it, <laughs> it fell into lampoon pretty quickly for me. It was like it was hard to maintain the dreariness. But then for me it's like you're not really running vampire if you're just letting your your players be super like you know nighttime superheroes without any kind of moral recourse for the fact that they're actually monsters so that's yeah. an important I think piece that's, of it. and when i was 21 i i didn't think about that side of it yeah i think that's one different like i said like if a lot of people said if you want to play vampire superheroes go v20 if you want to play totally. not that then fifth edition more to that and so I think that's where we're going to go. I think like straight away we're going to go into more like the maybe the sort of the politics and the the not getting killed essentially in survival. I mean, like straight away the first thing that happened is like Brian messed up his attempt to feed on this people. He's a consensual feeder, so he goes to a, there's a there's a we created a bar where everyone there goes because like everyone else is a vampire, but of course they they think everyone else is fake vampires, but he's a real vampire. Um, but he messed up his role. So this person then knows vampires are real and has done a runner. And so that's him. That's like that. Great. That's my setup for the first thing. That's great. Um, and Scott was messing around with his powers and realized like he can literally just dominate like humans. If they don't know, he can just get them to do whatever he wants. So he brings this girl back to his apartment and then he decides just for shits and giggles to just send her out into traffic and she dies. Uh, and then he, then you have to roll. And he I'd had to pay my mortgage. He was like, Oh, and I was like, well, yeah, you've just like literally just straight up murdered this girl and now you're less human for it. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, so it was like, so maybe it'll be interesting if he now carries on doing stupid stuff with his powers or, or actually realizes that, yeah, maybe he shouldn't. So he needs to make his character um, sustainable. And that's not. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite clever that the way they've set it up is kind of the more, when you're high humanity, it's very easy. It's what, it's what you said, it's very easy to lose it. But as your humanity goes up, it's it's much harder for it to keep going down so yeah. um but yeah so it's uh it's a good start but just just for what they did in the first session i've already got ideas with what i can good. go with because i decided I, I didn't want to do a, a written adventure because i didn't feel vampire to me i can go with we've got this relationship matt we've got characters in the city and um and we'll just run with that so there cool. we are so we will return to this maybe in a couple of weeks and see what progress you've made and you know, see, I'll I'll see if you're if you're wearing a trench coat or, you know, you're you have your Robert Smith makeup on or anything like that. Oh God, no, no, it won't be that. <laughs> it's too hot for trench coats. Maybe maybe just the sunglasses indoors. Done that. Oh before. yeah yeah yeah. Well, I just remember all the all the masquerade art consisted of either them looking like this down <laughs> their nose or like this. With their head down. So it was either head up looking down at you or head down with their eyes looking up. You look through those old books, they're like 90% of the art. That's what it is. So if you start okay. doing that, I'm going to call you out on that. Because <laughs> that's because I like you. You're my friend and I'm, I'm looking out for you.
develop a silly European accent because as far as I'm concerned in my head, all vampires are terrible Euro trash. <laughs> That's just how I think of it. Yeah, but you're Welsh. I think it's like, you, you're not yeah. that. You're Welsh. It's different. I think, I think it comes from like, it's probably from like Blade, where like with the exception of like the, one of the vampires, all of the other vampires are like Euro trash. Well, that was, did you uh, ever see, did you see the movie Vampires with James Woods? They were like Vatican yeah, sanctioned hunters. Ages. The book's yes, far better yeah. than the movie. But I remember he said that he referred to them as Euro trash and rented formal wear. <laughs> so there we go. So yeah. I'll have to be working on my different European accents. Thank you, as always, for listening. And while Chris is coming up with European accents for his vampire game in Las Vegas, he and I will be trading ideas for our next episode. And we'll also put out some information about that Discord server that we are putting together and how we're going to try to get that out to, to folks and, uh, and start to build that community. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.